Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Cult Spark Podcast. We are doing another mini cast for you tonight. My name is Bob Taylor. I'm a writer and editor here at Cult Spark. I am joined tonight once again by Chad Ferguson. Chad, this is your second mini cast with us after the Man of Steel one we did. We're going to be doing the Wolverine tonight, but it's it's like you're a regular now. Oh, oh say it isn't so, Bob. <laughs> it is so. Oh, it's fantastic. It, it, it once again, it, it's it's an absolute pleasure to be on. Excellent. So we did Man of Steel last time, and now we're moving on to the next big superhero film of the summer, which is the Wolverine. We saw it together, and we both quite liked it, huh? Absolutely, absolutely. I think I think we were both uh, we were both pretty solid on this. I think even heading into this movie, you and I were kind of in a real similar spot as far as what our expectation level was, and really what our I think I think even how we graded out the previous X Men films. I know you were you were uh, you were high on the first X X Men movie. You. I'm pretty sure you really liked uh, X-Men 2, X-Men United, and like myself, you, you kind of thought uh, The Last Stand was, well, you know, it was Brett Rat. Yeah, I kind of feel that that's so. everybody. Uh, you know, I don't think there's a tons of differing opinion on the X-Men right. films. The thing, the first one, I still think, yeah, the first one was a really good kickoff movie. Uh, the thing is, is when you watch it now, it's clear it didn't have the budget, some of these modern day. I mean, The Wolverine itself probably cost two to three times as much as money as they had for the yeah. original X-Men, which had that classic fight in the Statue of Liberty gift shop. Cause that's all the money they had to spend on. It. Yeah. I mean, they just, I guess but, they um, just, they did the best with what they um, had. Love X2. Don't think the last stands as bad as some people say, but it's not good. Uh, the, there's the abomination Wolverine origins yeah. and then, and then the series kind of rebounded with, with first class. So, yeah. The series was rebounding. We were moving into the Wolverine, which, you know, they kind of knew all the ways they fucked up with Origins. They hired James Mangold, who's kind of a journeyman director who did uh, 310 to Yuma and Copland. Is that him, I think? Yes. Yeah, so both movies, which I really liked, especially yeah. 310 to Yuma. So I was a kind of, of a that. journeyman, not entirely inspiring director, but a talented guy. And, you know, someone I was – when Darren Aronofsky dropped out, that was kind of a blow. But when we got Mangold, it's like, all right, they got somebody who kind of know, knew what he was doing. So I was hopeful, and the movie ended up being really good. Yeah, they, they I think they, they, they put it in, in quite capable hands, like you said. It wasn't a guy that was going to – you know, the, the sexy pick as far as a director goes. But I think the guy did a really solid job, and he really put the Wolverine character, you know, back on solid ground after this one. So, so go ahead. Tell us how he did it. You go well, first. Explain I mean, why you I, liked it so much. I want to tell you. Well, I guess I'll just break out my my pros and my cons of the movie. I mean, as far as as far as pros go, um, the opening scene I really liked, and, and it's kind of strange. I was thinking back. I really like the opening scene of every X Men movie that I can think of. The 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 very first X Men, the you know the the uh, Nazi occupied Poland was right. something that I was totally not expecting at Young all. Magneto. <laughs> Exactly. Even in, in the opening scene with Nightcrawler and X-Men 2 was fantastic. Kind of the, you know, the disappearing act, almost Matrix-esque the way they the way they did that. Um, and then even even, you know, even the last stand wasn't that bad when they had um, when they had Archangel chopping his wings off as a little boy. It was like it, even it, it, as as kind of average, I guess, as that movie was, that was a hell of a way to, to open it up. It was a really serious subject matter. So, and, and this one didn't disappoint. I love the fact that he was in the uh, he was in the cooler or the heat box or whatever you call it, right as uh, right as Nagasaki was getting uh, was getting the A bomb dropped on it. Again, very serious sub- subject matter. Really, kind of like a bond between him and the Yoshida 
uh, character, the young soldier that was that was guarding him and decided to you know to try to to release him at the end. But again, you know, kind of in keeping with the other X Men movie, really a, a very satisfying opening scene, no doubt about that. I like the story too. I like the fact that it was kind of it was scaled down, especially compared to some of the other just blowout special effects X-Men movies, particularly um, the X-Men Origins movie, which was ridiculous. But it was like it was more it was it was Logan kind of fighting with the exception of Viper, which we'll talk about her later on. Sure. But it was mainly him just fighting a bunch of tough guys. Right. This isn't about like Wolverine, like saving the world or or saving mutant kind or saving a city from evil mutants. It's a very small scale personal story. It was, it was a, it was a brawl. It it was almost, I think you and I talked about this. It was, it was almost a, a, uh, a transporter esque story to it. It was just a simple story of a, of a kick-ass tough guy protecting a girl, which, which I dig. I'm, I, I never tire of that story. So, so they kind of simplified it. And I, I really liked that aspect of the movie. I, 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 I did like the two, uh, the two female leads in the movie, the, the actress that pay, played, uh, Mariko, I believe. And, uh, and, uh, Yukio, Yukio. the, the kind of, anime brought to life uh, martial artists i thought they were both great i dug the the chemistry between jackman and uh, mariko i thought i thought that worked very well but again it was you know there, there were it definitely had its share of uh of cgi bullet train chases and things like that uh but i think they worked really well in the movie and again i really enjoyed you know watching the last couple x-men movies there, there's so many of these other uh supernatural characters you kind of get used to seeing uh, Logan just getting, you know, kind of getting his ass pummeled, but still coming back. And in this, you kind of see how deadly dangerous the guy really is when he's just going against, you know, mere mortals, which I guess is the, the case with any, you know, right. any superhero. Because it was for refreshing seven, to see that. For 75% of the movie, it's not mutant on mutant mayhem. Exactly, it's- exactly. I, I did like the I liked the uh, I liked the, the kind of the, the decreased healing factor. And I thought they did a good job of kind of when they slowed down the camera, you kind of felt his pain. But I think it was kind of strange what I was the vibe I was getting from this was even though he was feeling the pain, it was like fueling his anger. And I think that's what they were going for. It was like he was kind of ignoring the pain and it really didn't even matter that he wasn't healing. He was so pissed off that he was able to, you know, he was able to overcome that, uh, which, you know, which was, which I, again, I dug it. I, 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 um, I, I did, I will say, and I guess we can kind of get into this a little bit later on as well. Um, I thought the, uh, the end scene, the Easter egg, if you will, that was probably one of the better Easter eggs I've ever seen. The, the tag and the credits. The... Exactly. I, with, with Xavier and with Magneto, I was like, wow, this was actually, I mean, it was longer than most. It wasn't, you know, uh, your cookie cutter, uh, comedic type of thing. It was, it was actually like a real scene. And, and I'm, I'm very excited to see X-Men futures past after seeing that. So, so those are kind of the, you know, just some of the, some of the things I liked about the movie. Now, as far as the negatives, the cons, again, we kind of touched on Viper. I, I thought that chick was, you know, she was like your typical evil femme fatale, Timothy Dalton, Bond film-esque chick. You know, I, she didn't belong in a movie that was that was this solid. Um, and I don't really for, know. For a minute, I thought you were actually comparing her to Dalton. And I was like, wait, what? <laughs> yeah, yeah. No. I'm thinking of like a really bad Bond villain in a really bad gotcha. Bond movie. I, I don't know. Just that that's what she just 
obviously was, uh, she kind of missed the mark for me. I wasn't a big fan of the Silver Samurai. First of all, you're being way too nice. Viper sucked. She, she did. Sucked. She, she really did suck. She, she, was, th- she thankfully wasn't in the movie. And I mean, I mean, if you have a character that bad, sometimes it like will just drag the whole movie down. I, I didn't really feel like she was in it enough. There, you know, to do that, her her part wasn't important enough to kill the whole movie, but she was terrible. Right, I, I, I totally agree. Um, it, it's you know, and, it's, and both from, I mean, from both sides, it was a poorly scripted character who was who was acted. That girl, the Russian actress that plays her, I think I say in my print review, it's like she walked off the set of a bad daytime soap opera. I've never seen her in anything before in my life. I think she was in Tinker. Taylor yeah, she's in Tinker Taylor. Stuff. I I saw on IMDb that she's in that. I've seen Tinker Taylor, and I don't remember her at all. So she yeah. obviously didn't leave she's, too much of a mark on me there either. Yeah, you know why they couldn't have just pulled like some hot chick from Game of Thrones or something and <laughs> thrown her into that role? I don't understand. But um, but yeah, I, and I don't really think it was all her fault. I, like you said, I think it was a poorly scripted character they could have they could have done more with that character well i I mean yeah first of all just the way she's incorporated into the story kind of sucks second of all i never really understood her powers did you I didn't either. It's like she's this serpent. She's this evil scientist. Could could she? It was like on one scene. I think when she injected him with that, you know, that spider that attached itself to his heart. Um, I don't know if she was like haunting his dream. It was like she she had like Inception type powers. I wasn't quite sure. Right. What well, I didn't get. You know, you could Viper's a character from the comics, but I haven't read anything with Viper in it for a long time. So, I, I you know, I'm the, I wasn't gleaming a lot from that. Uh, when she like, yeah, when she came in at night and like was like French kissing him or whatever yes. she was doing, and he didn't know if it was a dream. I thought, okay, she has some sort of mutant power where she's like sucking out a portion of his of his mutant power, yeah. which didn't make much sense. But I thought that's what was happening. But then later on, you find out it's this. This yeah, this mechanical spider-looking thing that's attached to his heart, and it's like, wait a minute, is her mutant power that her her body builds crazy mechanical spider things, or did she build that and put it in her mouth? Like, how did that work? Uh, yeah, did she was that? that her power, or is that something she builds? And why did it come out of her mouth? I was confused as hell. Yeah, I'm gonna. Do you have do you have answers that. for any of that, Chad? I, I, do, I do not. I'm, I was a little confused. I kind of glazed over that part. Um, I, I you know, I, but then I, she has other sort of scratch kissy powers where she's you know she scratches you on the cheek and makes yeah. your face look like yeah. I, I don't know what was I don't know if she was it was cat, bad all if around she was a snake this, if she was supposed to be poison ivy I don't know what the hell she right was. there was like a exactly it was like she had sort of toxin based things going on oh. the thing is is she was so unimportant to the story you could have just cut her and you you could have easily cut her out it wouldn't exactly. have changed much yeah exactly you're yeah I don't understand why they did that but I don't know the Maybe same goes with uh the mm-hmm. Japanese Hawkeye as I'll address him because I, yeah, I, I, I don't know what his name is or anything or but he had he basically did he did nothing for most of the movie he's like this kind of good guy in the in the in the shadows in the background that you expect to play a part and then all of a sudden he's kind of a villain and then he's he's turned coat and then he becomes good again and it's over very I, quickly and it's like what, what was the point with that dude i didn't know what the hell that guy was doing i, I really do wonder if in japan you know assassins run around with bone arrows so who knows <laughs> but uh but yeah I'm, I'm with you on those two characters i thought they missed mark i also thought he, even the corrupt cop played by the actor that played the famous dk from the fast and the furious Tokyo <laughs> Drift. are we sure that's the same guy it's the same guy yes i'm positive so, all right but uh yeah even he i i did although he was he was part of one of the better scenes of the movie when he gets tossed into the swimming pool i, I did enjoy that part um in, in his underwear nonetheless but uh 
but yeah, I think there was, uh, you know, I think I think those three characters were pretty uh, unnecessary. I wasn't a big fan of the the Silver Samurai at the end either. I thought it was too much like uh, like the Iron Monger at the end of the first Iron. It was Man. very Iron Mongerish. You know, this big Tin Man that he's fighting, and I did think they they kind of missed a little bit of an opportunity. It's like you know, if they're gonna lop his his uh, his claws off. Maybe it would have been better if they would have had a real sword fight instead of those big, like, you know, giant uh, pugil sticks they were hitting each other with. You know, I, I, and, and I guess this is another criticism of the film. I, I dug the fact that it was in Japan. I liked, you know, I liked the look of it. I liked the, the culture of that. It just it looked cool that that setting worked well for me. But I wish they would have taken advantage of the dojo a little bit, you know, and maybe, maybe uh, gone the road, the route of like, look, I know you're invincible. I know you've got claws that can come out of your hands whenever you want, but it might do you some good to learn how to use a sword or something like that. And that's, that is one of my principal criticisms of the way they've treated Wolverine throughout all of these movies. I, I still, even though this movie was very good, I still think that, that we haven't had that movie yet that fully encompasses everything that he can do. There, there hasn't been that movie where, you know, where it kind of investigates or, or uh, it kind of explores his his expertise with martial arts or with with knives, except for the ones that come out of his come out of his knuckles. It's like they, they kind of haven't fully embraced that about the character. And, per, you know, perfect uh, example in the end of the movie you know where, where he's where he's about to go in and he you know he's defeated everybody in the drone level and he's about to fight the big monster in the uh in the temple it's like you know i'd like to see a little bit more tactical genius if you will from wolverine instead of just you know running down the middle of the street and getting filled full of arrows and doing like the you know the end scene 300 leonidas shot where he's got 70 arrows in his back and his arms in the air and he goes down it's like you know, why not have him sneak in there under the cover of darkness? Use his use his ninja s skills, things like that. I think they kind of missed the mark on a little bit, and that could still be coming in an X Men movie. I think, unfortunately, they, they kind of skimmed over that whole thing in the first crappy three minutes of X Men Origins Wolverine, where they kind of you know show him briefly at the beachheads at Normandy, and then you know in all these different wars. Uh, but uh, but yeah, that's one thing where I think they could they they still haven't done a great job. Of in, in, in all six of the X Men movies that he's appeared. So. All right, all right. Let me. I got a bunch of stuff to respond to here. <laughs> for, for, I, I, I mean, this is going to be a podcast where we mostly agree, but I agree with you that one of the movie's big strengths is except accepting Viper. It's the women in the cast because that girl. I think her name's. I'm probably butchering the pronouncing, but it's Rila Fukushima who plays Yukio. She's fantastic. She's great. And it's so refreshing to see because Mariko and, you know, that girl, the girl that plays Mariko is sort of gorgeous and soulful and does the damsel and distress love interest part, you know, just fine. But it's so refreshing that she's not the first woman you meet in the movie. It's Yukio's the first woman you meet in the movie. And it's, you know, they have this relationship that's so atypical for the summer blockbuster where it's not someone that he's destined to sleep with. She's not the love interest. She's not the damsel in distress, but she's not entirely a partner either, although she ends up being that way towards the end of the movie. It's, you know, this 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 sort of mysterious chick who has her own agenda, who thrusts herself into Logan's life. Right. And they end up being this great little team together. Yeah. And it's, it's just, cool. like I said, it's just so refreshing to see them. And and that actress is so good. By the end of it, it's like, oh, I want her to be in Days of Future Past now. I want Brian Singer to make room for her because yeah, she's so good here. 
I thought it was really cool how she just basically imposed her will on him to become his bodyguard. I'm right. Like, this little petite uh, Japanese girl who's kicking everybody's ass left and right. And at the end of the movie, she she's basically, you know, she's she's the bodyguard of, of the uh, the invincible and vulnerable man, which is kind of cool. Right. And, and you kind of can see that she serves a purpose because she she's I don't know. She's a nice counterbalance to his uh to his hammer. She's a little bit more refined the, and a little bit more deadly with her, with her strikes. The Logan Marico stuff was fine and, you know, paid plenty of the appropriate lip service to their relationship in the comics. Right. But I'm like, from this point, I'd be way more interested in seeing how the Logan Yukio relationship develops. Yeah. At this point. I, like I said, I, I want her to show up again. I don't care yeah. about, I don't care if Merrick, Merrick was fine for this movie. I don't care if she ever shows up in an X-Men movie. Oh yeah. Yeah. You, you don't see, I, I don't see her appearing in a future movie, but, but yeah, I think her, you know, I think she was a little, a little older of a, she was the older sister, I think, or maybe not. I think they were like playmates or whatever. When they yeah, they were, they called each other, sister, <clears throat> but they weren't biological sisters. They right. Just, Although, you know, I, I, I dug the scene where she kind of tries to hurl herself off the roof and, you know, Logan kind of saves her, rescues her or whatever. Right. It's kind of cool. It was a genuine, like, you know, hey, I'm, I'm digging you. I'm a hero, etc. type of scene. But, and I'll uh, actually – I like the relationship because you just kind of mentioned it, how they called each other sister and stuff. I mean in a bad movie, the female characters would only be – realized as how do they relate to the hero but they actually take the time to develop a little relationship between the two girls right. that's you know kind of i mean it doesn't take up a lot of screen time but it's like okay there's some history here and they these two have these sort of feelings for each other completely outside of what's going on with wolverine and it makes it a better movie um uh, yeah the silver samurai i mean i just you know they f i mean the, the the character as he is in the film is a completely different character basically from what silver samurai is in the comics which is fine because you got to do that sometimes and they have right. to fit it into this pre-existing universe the the film universe of these x-men movies um i thought it was okay it was very ironmonger-esque i thought it worked with the story as far as, you know, who ends up being inside the Silver Samurai suit. I mean, I thought it worked okay with the story they were trying to tell. I think it would have bothered me less if you wouldn't have also had uh, Japanese Hawkeye and Viper and stuff running around there at yeah. the end. Yeah. But, um, you know, it was, it was okay. It, it, didn't, it wasn't a disaster for me. I just think they felt obligated to put Silver Samurai in the movie in some form. I, it's just like, okay, we're making a we're making a second Wolverine movie that could potentially be the last Wolverine standalone we're ever going to make. It's going to be in Japan. You got to have the Silver Samurai in it somehow. Right. So right. they find a way to make it fit for that story they were telling. And, and I thought it was okay. And I thought the fight between wolverine and the silver samurai at the end was okay it was the, the best fight was the battle on top of the train actually yeah, bullet yeah train, i thought that was great which um was someone was asking me uh whether they should see this in the theater or not you know as far as the scope of the movie it was it was uh, terrence from the other tech cult spark podcast was talking about whether he was going to see this or pacific rim in the theater and Stu, another one of our podcasters, was telling him that Pacific Rim is the much, even though it might not, even though I don't think Pacific Rim is a better movie, I had to agree that it's the much sort of grander big screen presentation. You want to see those giant robots and monsters on the big screen, whereas Wolverine didn't really have that except for the fight on the bullet train, which looked excellent on a big screen and I would think would lose something at home. Yeah. yeah I, I remember people bitching about how shitty those effects looked in the trailer, but they got it together by the, the time they had to put the film out because 
that was a pretty exciting fight on that, top of that train. I, I thought that was pretty damn good. Yeah. Uh, by far the best in the movie. And speaking of fights, I know one of the things I felt like the movie was missing, I feel like we didn't really get this massive Wolverine versus Ninja throwdown that we could have. Yeah, that like, could have been The great. fights with the... And the plots gets a little iffy and vague on some of these points. But the earlier fights with the tattooed guys are against the Yakuza, correct? Exactly. Right. And those fights are pretty decent. But then at the end, when Japanese Hawkeye and the ninjas show up, I'm thinking, okay, now we get the big Wolverine ninja throwdown. And that doesn't really happen. They they yeah. shoot all the arrows into his back and sort of subdue him. And there's not much of a fight there at all. No. And I, it's I, kinda I, like, if... I could have definitely stood just 10 minutes of Wolverine going berserker on you right. know, 200 ninjas. And, and now, that's... I know they tried to keep the budget down in this movie, so maybe that was a budgetary factor. And the movie was over two hours without it. Right, right. But I would have definitely wonder, sacrificed Viper in her entirety for, you know, Wolverine against a hundred masked right. ninjas. Well, I, I I think maybe the reason they, they did that, and, and this is one of the reasons I love the Wolverine character, is when he engages into a fight, he's killing the guy that he's fighting. This isn't Batman who's gonna you know right. who's gonna uh, incapacitate them or knock them out. Like he's he fights to kill. And I think Maybe the reason why they didn't have him take out 50 ninjas is because those ninjas really, they technically were just protecting the old man. And they right. really weren't, they weren't necessarily bad. They were just kind of the, the king's guard. And I yeah, guess as soon as I the, feel like they were writing this movie. And by the time they got to the end of it, they com- almost completely lost track of who the good guys and the bad guys. I mean, right. it's very, everyone's kind of shades of gray by the end of the movie of who's working for who and who's protecting for who. So everybody fight. Right, right. Exactly. I, I think I think you're I think that's exactly what they tried to do. But again, I mean, I, I thought it worked for me. I did. I did kind of I, I liked the uh, I, I liked the story. I did. I did like the the uh, the man obsessed with with living forever and, and the guy who's basically got no purpose in life right now. Um, we didn't right. really talk about the uh, Femke Jansen uh cameo about every five minutes I, in the movie it was I, more than a cameo though she yeah. was she even though uh, even though she's in the film in non-corporeal form because she's basically she she appears in logan's dream she's sort of his conscious in a way and but she played a significant role and i liked having her back in the franchise yeah it was, i thought it was nice that she was in there just to re- remind you why you know why he's why he's reached this point of uh of desperation i guess Look, but I've yeah, been I, in I love thought, with Fomka Jansen since I was like twenty, so I'm never well, gonna, I'm never going to kick her out of the movie I'm seeing. So yeah, I know, I know but, you, you're still you're still uh, sits gold eye, which was yeah, she was kind of fantastic in that. But yeah, I, 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 I like the fact that uh, speaking of Fomka, I like the fact that this is like a direct sequel to The Last Stand, which no one really likes, and they could have just ignored. You know, they didn't have to address anything at the end of The Last Stand, and no one would care. But they actually found an emotional end to the movie by putting Wolverine at a point where it's after the last stand, the X-Men are disbanded. He suffers all this guilt over have being forced to murder Jean basically. And whereas they could have ignored all that, they found a nice emotional linchpin for the movie. So it's almost like taking the ashes of the shit heap that is the last stand and doing something good with it, you know? And yeah, that's I appreciated that. Yeah. They, they, they really did. They, 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 they were able to, kind of recycle that mess into something that was uh, something that was worthwhile for sure. Because there wasn't, they had a lot of <laughs> great directions. The last you know? stand and fertilized the field for the Wolverine to grow. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that, was, that, that was too over the top, but we'll go with it. <laughs> 
well, we talked about uh, well, you had mentioned to me prior to recording the, your big continuity issue. So go yes. ahead and share with the folks at home. Exactly. It was it. The main thing was how the hell can he remember who Yoshida was? Right. Because when, he, when that, his memory was supposed to be erased in like 1978 or whenever the hell. Right. I don't keep good track of the timeline year by year just because it's a fool's errand. But I, and it shifts all the time. But he has the bone claws in that opening scene, so he clearly hasn't gone through the Weapon X program yet. It's true. Which right. means his memory should be erased after that opening scene. Right. right. And I, yeah, I, I mean, I'm not sitting around watching X Men movies all the time on repeat, but I don't really recall him getting his full memory back at any point, right? Yeah. I, well, I mean, the professor wouldn't have made any more progress with him because the professor died at the end of that. Of that oh, scene. well, I mean, I, mean, so. I mean, just as a whole, you should just stay. Away. It's funny because the X films are exactly like the comic books now. They're, it's like the X-Men series as a whole is the perfect film representation of the of c- how comic book worlds work because the continuity in the films, just like it is in a, in a comic series that's run 20 years, is a mess. Right. It's a mess. I mean – uh, as soon as the, the, you know, you get through the first three pretty well, and then Origin starts contradicting stuff, and then First Class muddies the waters more by contradicting more stuff. I mean, we're at the point now where Xavier has been like, he, you know, he's he can walk, and then he's crippled, and right. then he magically can walk again. Yeah, it's like and then he's crippled, and then he's dead, and then he's disembodied, and then he's alive and crippled again. And it's like Jesus, what? It's just whatever they need Xavier to be, he is at any given moment, no matter how it fits in the overall story. It's kind of funny. It doesn't really bother me. It honestly doesn't bother me at this point. The one constant of the series is Wolverine, is Hugh Jackman as Wolverine. You know, like it's kind of that's the one character that I don't think he's been played by by multiple uh, multiple actors. And and, I mean, and I got to give this guy some credit. I love Jackman as Wolverine. I think he's a great Wolverine. I think these I think these schmucks out there that say, oh, he's too tall, he should be five three no. instead of jackman's six, three. great give me a break the guy's awesome there will never be another uh, another wolverine as good as him i mean and it's always been intriguing even how he landed the role how it was supposed to go to uh who that dungray scott guy who's like last i saw him he was he was like an extra on on uh on uh, desperate housewives or something like that i mean <laughs> like like that guy i think he's busting oh. tables at that redneck bar that uh clark kent works in that wolverine likes to go in and fuck rednecks up <laughs> Uh, I think I think you might be right on that. But, uh, I just like uh, to pretend there's that one redneck bar where all everybody hangs out. Exactly, or, and, and always Wolverine. Wolverine seems to find that place. Yeah. But, uh, but no, I mean it is. It's it's like it's a, a kind of an amazing scenario how he got the role and how they just kind of pulled him in at the last second. Right. You, you heard the stories about how he would be literally doing like push-ups and sit-ups before scenes to try to bulk up and look, you know, kind of look more, uh, you know, fierce. For the role, and I, I kind of dug that, and I, you know, I, I, no. I really like Jack. I mean, there's some movies that he's in that aren't that good, but you get the sense that he always gives, you know, yeah, gives it his, his success rate outside of the X Men movies isn't spectacular. It's he's done, he, he's done, he's, I mean, I like him in the Prestige. He's done some good stuff, yeah. but yeah, I mean, this series, Fox has been blessed to have him in this role in this series and to be the through line, even when other stuff's sort of getting shifted around and yes it doesn't matter that he doesn't he's too you know that he's over six foot or doesn't look the part perfectly he 
he effectively brings the inner loneliness and pent-up rage of Wolverine to the screen, pretty much how I've always envisioned it and how I assume most people have always envisioned it when yeah, they read I think the he book. So I, I, I believe he's played – I mean this is – this was – counting the cameo, this was like his sixth film. Yeah. Sixth film is Wolverine and Days of Future Past will be his seventh, which is a record for a superhero being played by one guy. And you know that's great. It's, it's, it's worked out well for him. And and like I said, Wolverine, I'm a little surprised. I will say this. um, I I am really looking forward to Days of Future Past, Uh, even though Brian Singer's career hasn't been all that since X2. He still made two really good X-Men movies and got this thing rolling. I still have faith in Singer. Um, Even though they're not doing a direct adaptation of Days of Future Past, it's a fantastic comic. I'm a little surprised they, that Wolverine's playing such a central role in it. Ba- basically, in Days of Future Past, in the comic, it's, you know, there's a dystopian future where mutants are being exterminated by the giant sentinel robots, and Kitty Pride is sent back in time to prevent this from happening. Except in the film version, it's going to be Wolverine who's sent back in time to stop it from happening, which I'm, I'm I really thought they were getting on a track where, okay, Jackman's going to have his Wolverine solo movies, but we're going to go with, the, you know, we're going to be more diverse with the X-Men stories proper and let some other, you know, bring in some new characters and focus on some other characters. But it, it seems like Wolverine's going to be front and center again with days of future past. I don't know how I feel about that, but I'm optimistic for the movie. Yeah, I am too. I, you can't have Juno going back in time to save the you world. You can. I love movies. Ellen Page. You could totally have Juno going back in time. God, well, <laughs> did you see super? I didn't. We've, you we've talked watch. about this it whole conversation would be different if you'd seen super. Yeah, I, I like Ellen Page. Don't get me wrong. I, just, I mean, she had she had such a forgettable role in in X Men: The Last Stand. I, I, yeah, I actually forgot she was friend. in it. I was telling some of my casual friends about all the Days of Future Past people they had at Comic Con, and I'm like, Ellen Page was there, and I'm, why was Ellen Page there? And it's like, well, yeah. she she was Kitty Pride. Well, when was she yeah. Kitty Pride in The Last Stand? Well, and although part, she was, she was the third. Part Kitty Pride changed so much because there there was like a Kitty Pride cameo in X Men, which is a different actress. She had a little bigger little bigger role in X Men Two different actress and then a major role in x-men 3 and all of a sudden it's ellen page now it was a pre-famous ellen page although i think it's cool because you know the last stand was the one that wasn't singer's movie but i think it's pretty cool he's and he's bringing one of brett ratner's you know people back so i still don't think the last stand's that great of an x-men movie but it has a pretty solid first hour it's well cast uh, like like you said, the stuff with Angel. Uh, I actually think Kelsey Grammer's the good in it is the Beast. There's some decent stuff going on in that movie. Yeah. Um, the Wolverine is better. If you know, it it didn't exactly light the box office on fire this past weekend when it opened. No. But if if you've ever been a fan of the series, if you've been to the X Men films at any point, I would urge you to give the Wolverine a shot, as it's no less than the you know what third best of the series it you know it's, it's not better than x-men 2 uh first class might be better first class is probably a hair better uh x-men 1 like i said it's a little dated because the effects and stuff which maybe makes it suffer but this movie's right there with those ones this is you know if we're separating x-men into the junk and the good stuff the wolverine belongs in the good stuff exactly i i i, I totally agree chad we've done our half hour i appreciate you coming and doing this with me tonight 
Hey, again, it was uh, it was a lot of fun. Hopefully, it wasn't too boring. Forward. It's it's we 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 gotta find something to really fight about or something we hate. But yeah, we need to, we need to uh, I don't know. We need to extend this to like Rocky Five or something. <laughs> we'll like just start like doing past <laughs> movies just so we can have something to get riled up. Exactly. About. All right, now everybody, thanks for listening. We'll be back. Like I said, these uh, we'll have some more full podcasts coming for you sometime soon. We'll be doing mini casts all for the rest of the year on stuff that's opening. And thanks a lot for listening.